And you can't know that without getting a DEXA scan or doing like underwater weighing, which used to be the, the old gold standard. I don't, I don't think it's the gold standard anymore. I believe DEXA is. Um, but again, I've, all of my textbooks are out of date. And so DEXA wasn't quite the gold standard when my textbooks were written, which makes me feel kind of old already, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. But those numbers are going to be a little bit more helpful for you in finding out like what's relative to you. So I always like to use the example of like my wife and I, my wife is less than half of my body weight. Um, I am a very large Scandinavian boy. If we were doing the same weight on a same exercise, same reps, rest, sets, all that stuff. If we kept everything across this, the same level and she's doing the same weight as I would, that would mean my wife is factors more stronger than I am for her body weight, right? Overall, I might be stronger. Fantastic. But if she can do the same weight I can on almost anything, then we're probably going to run into a little bit of a problem because I'm much heavier than her. So, and yeah, that it, you guys see what I'm trying to say here though. But even if, uh, it, even if I were to talk about somebody who's, uh, exactly. So if I, if I'm looking at like my twin brother, for example, if we are the same height, same, like exactly the same weight and he's stronger than I am, like if we, if we kept as many variables the same, but he can do more weight than he, than I can, then he has a more efficient musculoskeletal system than I do. Right. So using body weight's a really easy way to kind of get a general feeling of like where relative strength is at. Um, but it gets even more accurate when you're doing lean body mass. So keep that in mind. Now, when we're talking about loading here, guys, we don't necessarily want to fail on every set, load the bar appropriately. You want to get to the point where you are challenging yourself. So if we're like using RPE, for example, you're getting to that like seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, but 10 is kind of that point of failure every single time you're lifting, right? You want those last few reps to be a little bit of a struggle. If they're not hard, then you're not working that hard. So just keep that in mind and always be safe, safe first. Safety always comes first. So if you are doing a back squat, make sure you have safety bars set up or you have a spotter if you're doing a bench. Um, please don't do heavy lifting without anyone around because you guys have probably seen those fail videos of people doing stupid stuff and they're hard to watch. They hurt. I hate watching them and people decide that they need to send those to me all the time and it drives me nuts because um, it's just <laughs> cringy. Next one we're going to talk about here, guys, is our final pillar, pillar number four, which is taking good notes. If you are a professional and you are listening to this right now, you need to take good notes for your client. Don't keep it all up here. You're not going to remember everything. You might feel like you can remember everything, but those small details that you write down are going to be really, really important to your client's success. Almost all of the clients I work with are not what you would consider average individuals that when looking at a fitness perspective. These are individuals who have previous injuries, orthopedic limitations, different like syndromes and diseases and like injuries that they're coming off of all of these different things. And they need that special, like extra level of detail to see progress. Or every time they come into the gym, it's just going to be a discouraging event. You want your clients to be successful. If you are not a fitness professional, you want yourself to be successful. So this is going to help everyone, but taking good notes is going to level up your lifts. So this, if you're like, okay, what should I be taking notes on? Take notes on how you feel. If you're using an RPE system, just put an out of 10 and say, oh, set number one, eight out of 10. So your RPE was an eight out of 10. You felt that strongly about your set. If you're at like a three out of a 10, then you should probably take a note and then add a little bit of a recommendation in there and say, next time I do this, I want to increase in weight or increase next time. Keep your notes short. You don't have to like have them super detailed. I take all of my notes on my tablet. So I'm like physically writing them out using my Apple pen and it's really, really helpful. So next thing is if you feel like you're really, really struggling, if you've done that set of workouts before and then you do it again and you feel like the second time you do it, that's really, really hard take that note, write down how you slept the day before. Like maybe that's playing a, a factor in it. You don't know until you look back on all of that and you say, Oh, I got really good rest this day. And then I got really bad rest this day. And it changed my RPE values drastically. Love it. Um, that is a really, really good way to 
like keep track of how you're doing, but also your clients as well, especially if you're professionals, you need to take good notes. This is also going to help you later, especially those clients you might see like once a week. I even have clients I see only once a month. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't remember like what everything we talked about every single time we see them. And that's why I take good notes. We're building power in the ind individuals. Knowledge is power as well. Having a good workout plan is usually not enough. Again, I mentioned earlier in the episode, you can look up a workout plan and follow it and probably see like a decent amount of success. But you're going to see the most amount of success if you've got your plan on one side and your notes on the other. That's actually how I split mine in half. I have my workout. I have it set up as like a table usually like sets, reps and weights and rest. I have those four variables and then all the different exercises, usually anywhere from like five to eight depending on how quick my, my clients are. And then on the other half, I just have notes and I'm just like constantly writing notes. And usually my notes page takes up like two to three times as much room as my template usually wraps around a little bit. And the reason is, is because if somebody does a squat, well, I want to write that down and say, Hey, my client did really, really well at not letting their left knee cave in today because I took a note the last time we did squats and I said, hey, they can't keep their knee from caving in. So maybe we took some steps to alleviate that. Maybe, maybe we um, practiced holding a squat and actually physically moving the knee around. Maybe we targeted that glute medius and we wanted to bring that IT band, put a little bit more tension in the exterior portion of that glute to kind of bring that knee back in line. You know, there's going to be different things that we try. And if you don't write those down, like you're probably going to forget and you're just going to be a better professional because you decided it's important that I know exactly what's going on with my clients. And I want to make sure that we succeed, even if it's the little things every single time. Knowledge is power here, guys. Take good notes. Um, if you are, where is it? There we go. If you are somebody who is just going to work out, like just write your stuff down in a book, like take a notebook with you, write it down in your phone, your notes app, whatever it is, take good notes on your lift. If you're resting in between your exercises, you've got time to do it. I really recommend it here, guys. That is one of the best things you can do to really level up your game. So, you know, Hey, what did I do poorly last time? Here's how I'm going to like challenge myself and get better. It's just going to make you guys just a little bit better on all of your lifts. Next thing we're going to talk about here, guys, we've gone over those four pillars already. So now we're going to move into kind of that three check method. So when we're looking at your plan here, guys, you're going to see three sets by 10 reps by whatever weight you're using and by whatever rest you're doing, right? You want those four pieces in your program every single time you're coming in. So that way, if I'm doing a back squat, I know I'm going to do that by three sets, by 10 reps, by a hundred pounds, and I'm resting one minute in between every set, right? So you know roughly how long that's going to take you. So like if each set, let's just assume it takes you one minute to do 10 reps. That's just me spitballing that. But let's just assume for ease, ease of ease of that. If you're doing one minute per set and a minute of rest in between, that's six minutes of, of rest and work. If you're doing a one to one ratio, so you should know, okay, it takes me about six minutes plus or minus a little bit of setup and like tear down time to do one exercise. Now, if you're somebody who really does care about how much exercise you're doing, if you're counting and like keeping like a timer on your phone or your watch, and you know exactly how much rest you're going to do, you're going to be more efficient with your workouts. And then if you're using our three check method, you're going to be able to continue to progress as well. So I'll review that three check method really quick. If you're following the three by 10 by 100 by one minute of rest as given in the slide up here to my right. That means you've completed that exercise one, two, and three times a different date each time. If you get three checks on something, then you should increase or progress your movement. So there's a few different ways to do that. You could add more sets, you could add more reps, you could add more weight, or you could decrease the rest. All of those are going to make your next set harder and it's going to progress your movement. Oftentimes I'll usually use weight first. I really like those heavier weights. So I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to stick with the three sets by 10 reps, but next time I'm going to do 110 pounds, right? But I'm going to keep my one minute of rest. If you don't get it next time you, you are trying to complete that set after you get the three checks, give yourself a little bit of an X, right? The red X emoji works fantastic. Put that next to when you're taking notes, when I'm writing this out, I'm going to put a little X next to it. So I know I didn't, I was not able to fully complete that. So 
This is where taking good notes comes in. Because if I just write three sets by 10 reps by 100 pounds by one minute of rest, and I just put an X there and I leave it, I don't put any detail, I'm going to guarantee you that next time I come into there, I'm going to say, I failed this workout last time, but I have no idea where and how poorly, right? Unless you have a really, really good memory. Those people who do have good memory, fantastic. I wish I had your brain, but I don't. So if you're writing this out, a really easy way is like, if you put that red X there, if you fail a set, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say X and then I'm going to say failed set three. And then I'm going to put down how many reps I got, right? So if I got 10 reps, 10 reps, and then only six reps, I'm going to write that down in the other one. I'm going to say, oh, okay, I got six reps and that one. So next time I come back to that, I'm going to try to get more than six reps. So maybe I get seven. I'm still going to keep that X there, but I've already progressed. And then eight, nine, 10. Once I get up to 10, I've completed the full exercise for the programmed amount. Then I'm going to switch that X to a green check mark. And then I'm going to hopefully go through and, uh, repeat that three times. Now, if this is a day where you're feeling like really, really good and you completed it, but like you got one green check, but then you try to do it again and you get, you can't do it the second time, just put a second, just put that red X there in front of the first or after the first green check, right? So, you know, okay, I've done this once, but I'm trying to repeat this for the second time. And maybe I didn't get enough sleep, right? Or I didn't have a, some people like swear by their pre-workout. They're like, oh, I didn't do pre-workout today. So I wasn't able to get it or whatever it might be. And then, you know, next time make those notes, come back, and then you're trying to earn that second check mark. And you do this all the way to three. This means that like most likely if you're taking at least one to two days to focus on actually improving those sets, it means you're going to be improving your lifts every like four to like six weeks potentially. And that's really, really good. That's a lot of progress over the course of the year. So I highly recommend you guys do that and use this system. This is a system I've developed for my clients. It works really well. I use these in my workouts. I use these for my clients. They see strength, they see progression, they do so safely, and the injury rate is like zero. So let's make sure you guys are safe and getting stronger as well. All right, guys, let's just go over a quick summary of what we went over today. So we want to, or we should say what we went over and then kind of go into some extra things as well. So if we're getting into and you're like, I don't know what to do with all this information. Remember guys, today we're talking about workout programming. So the sets and reps, the loading progression, the amount of rest you should take and the notes you should be taking. Those are your four pillars. Fill those all in and you're going to have a good time. Then it comes up to like the actual like functionality of workout programming. If you're like, okay, I don't want to lift in the first place. Why should I even be doing this? I recommend listening to my benefits of lifting episode, which is episode number three. That is going to go over all of the different benefits of why you should actually be moving heavy things around and doing so with good form as well. And then if you're wondering, hey, Nathan, you haven't included a single workout program up here. I've actually got a ton of those on my Patreon. Some of them were even free and I just kept them public for a long time. And I'd love to make more of those. If interest increases, we'll make more and more and more. But again, that's why we're doing kind of one step at a time. But if you're looking for workout templates, you can find those on my Patreon. If you're like, hey, I want to hear more about those as well, listen to episodes 9 through 14. That means we're going to be covering the fundamental series, the six fundamental movements, which is push, pull, carry, squat, hinge, and lunge. You include those in your workout programming, you're going to have a good time. If you're somebody who has no idea where to even get started, listen to episode one. It is our most popular episode because everyone likes to start right at the beginning. So we put the good stuff right in the front for you guys. Getting started is the hardest part. It is almost the end of the year, guys. We are seeing a really, really interesting thing happen with our society as far as gyms. Everybody knows New Year's resolutions is the biggest driver for people into the gym. People want to really heavily invest in their health at the beginning of the year, and then that motivation quickly crashes. My job, the reason I have a job is because I can keep enough of you in the gyms working on yourselves the entire year round, because that's how we build a healthy lifestyle. You can't just be fit for two months and then take the other 10 months off. That's unfortunately not how the human body works. You have to be fit and active the entire time. So that's how, uh, that's it's a nice little bit of job security there, but that's why we do it. January is coming around. Things are about to get busy. I know you guys are going to want to get stuff done as well. And you might feel that urge to be like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to get started in January. I'm going to give you a few tips. One tip. Number one, please start now. It gets so busy in January, guys. I see so many people coming to the gym. The gyms are just like flooded with people. We just had the big, the big COVID 
Um, it's still roughly going around. I actually still know people who are who are getting over it right now. But we're far enough out from the initial onset of that now where people are going to be coming back to gyms, I would say in full force, if not even more than we've seen in the last three years. So please, 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 please start now. Get your routine going. There's nothing harder than trying to start a routine and then walking into a gym January 1st and every single machine's taken because everybody wants to be in there. So start your routine now. Find a time that works best for you and just start exercising. That's going to be the most important thing, guys. I know it's going to be crazy, but I want you guys, even if you are, and to be fair, I don't knock people for starting a gym on January 1st. I think that's actually a good thing. And the reason is, is because you did the thing. You walked in, you overcame those fears, those anxieties, and you're like, I want to make myself better. And you took the step to make that happen. I'm all here for that. What I want for you is for you to keep doing it. That's what I want. I don't necessarily want somebody to just like throw a bunch of money at a gym and then use it for like three months and then get mad. They paid for it the rest of the year. And then they're like, I didn't use it. I paid for it. And then that's more of like that. That's no fun. Like that's that puts a negative connotation on that space. You're not you're less likely to use a gym in the future. And those people just stay inactive for a long time. My goal is for you guys to be healthy humans. That's why we named this the Healthy Human Podcast. So please be healthy, make active choices, put good food into your body here, guys. One of the things we haven't talked a ton about is nutrition. And we're going to, we always like to keep nutrition advice nice and simple because simple is more effective. It's easier to incorporate into your life. Just eat good foods. Make sure you're eating fruits and veggies, all those fun things, good sources of protein. Um, try not to eat as much processed food as you are. And I say that around the holidays because I know things get really, really busy here, guys. And when you're not eating big, like roast beefs and hams and turkeys and all those fun things, usually we're just like snacking on pizza and stuff. Um, I, I, some of my clients work in pizza shops and they're like, we're so busy right now because people need that convenience food. And so I, I know how it goes, guys. I'm right there with you. I run a very, very busy life. I am doing a podcast right now and I'm about to go run outside like hang out with the dogs for a little bit and then run over to my IRL job and then try to train some people. And it's going to be crazy. Like I'm working 10, 12 hours a day. I know how it goes. Convenience eating is the easiest thing you can do. But if you focus on prepping healthy snacks earlier in the week or just having good fruits and veggies on hand for your meals, it's going to go a really, really long way in seeing the most amount of benefit from your workouts. But if you're somebody who wants to lose weight, it's going to help you lose weight. If you're somebody who wants to build muscle, you're going to build that faster and more cleanly. It's going to be really, really good for you. So I really highly recommend putting some good food into the body here, guys. Next, we want to talk about a few listener questions. We'll go over that in our question side. So if you're like, hey, this doesn't work for me. How am I supposed to do three sets of 10 if I can't do one? Um, there's lots of ways to do that. We'll just let's let's cover it now because my brain's going to forget about it later. So a lot of times when somebody is doing something like a pull up, you put a big guy like me, I'm a lineman. Like that is what I swear I was like born and bred to do, minus the fact that all of my joints just decide to break all the time. I'm a big dude. We come from big big people were hilariously Scandinavian, totally okay with it. I love being strong. I love being tall. It's really fun, but it, it, it comes with some downsides. One of the main downsides being that if I want to do body weight training, my body weight is going to put me at a <laughs> more of a disadvantage than somebody who's like maybe average size, like the average size man. Um, like, so if somebody is 200 pounds, I'm much heavier than 200. So I'm going to have a much harder time doing that pull up, getting myself up to that bar and then back down than they are by quite a bit just naturally. So there's different ways to practice that by like doing eccentric pull-ups. So eccentric pull-ups um, is when you start with the arms fully extended, you actually jump up to the bar. So once that bar is here, so you're using your whole body, including your legs to jump above. And then once you've reached that chin over that bar, then you actually work on slowly lowering yourself as as much with as much control as you can and that is actually going to help build up those muscles in the back and the biceps to really really enhance that and then over time you're going to notice it's easier and easier to drive yourself up with just your arms and you don't need to use that jump now you can also use bands so if you tie a band around your feet and attach it to the bar it's actually going to pull you upwards so that is going to relieve a little bit of that weight and then you can also do um, like, so if you have access to a gym, you can use an assisted pull-up machine as well. So you put the pin in however much weight you want to take away from your body 
weight, overall body weight, and then that can help you kind of progress it just like it's a normal exercise as well. So lots of different ways to do that just takes time. And then it gets easier, especially if you are somebody who is looking to lose weight, because if you lose weight, then your strength to mass ratio is going way up. So kind of a little bit of another benefit there. All right. I got two really, really good questions earlier this week from some clients. And so I want to share those with you. The first one is how do I train effectively to remove lower back pain when it's present when I exercise? Now, this is a tough one. And a lot of like just run of the mill personal trainers might not know how to do this effectively. A lot of them do, but I will say a lot of the good trainers, you don't necessarily know that they're good unless they prove it to you, right? If somebody just has a certification, they might not be the best personal trainer. But if somebody has like a degree and a personal trainer certification and many others on top of that, then they might have a good idea on what they're talking about. But it does come down to human application as well. Some people are lazy. I know some really, really qualified professionals who only have a like a personal training certificate and they're fantastic professionals. I would like trust them with my own training. They do super well and they might have way less like formal education than I do. And I know people who are more educated than me and I would never go to them to train. So keep that in mind when you guys are uh, looking at the information that professionals put out, vet the information. Don't just take somebody at their word, um, like make sure they actually know what they're talking about. One of the things that I do a lot in my own training is I train with people who have injuries and pain spots and who are trying to prevent future injuries and things like that. And low back pain is one of the most common ones we see. I can't remember which episode it was, but we mentioned this in a previous episode. Low back pain is one of the most expensive diagnoses in the United States. Like, I'm not even kidding. Actually, no, I didn't I didn't mention that on my podcast. I believe I heard that from Dr. Peter Atia on um, the drive. I believe it was on his podcast. Um, I wish I had written that down. Um, but I don't, I, I didn't write down what that link was. Anyway, when you were training people that have low back pain, there's a lot of different ways that low back pain manifests itself. Now, a lot of the times when there's not an actual like structural issue, like a bone break or a muscle tear or things like that, a lot of the time low back pain manifests itself because of muscle fatigue. So that's going to be one of the easier ones that we're going to train away. Now, keep in mind that takes a lot of patience because you have to reinforce the muscles. You have to train them and you might get a little bit of fatigue and pain along the way. So doing this safely is really, really key. So with one of my clients, we were working on some low back pain really strengthening that areas. And so there's a lot of different exercises that we were doing to really increase the strength of like the posterior chain all the way from the base of the neck all the way down so that we could really strengthen all of that adjacent fascia. So we were doing deadlifts. Those have improved a ton because that low back has to stabilize so much. And then we were also doing a three-point row. Now, when we were doing the three-point row, we actually found that this caused back pain during the movement. And I was like, okay, let's, let's try to figure this out. So we, we started off with really, really light weights, trying to see what's causing pain, what might be fixed. And there was a few things we did that actually did a really good job at keeping the pain away. Now, the first thing was we started loading light. If you're loading too heavy, like you're not going to get the pain to go away, that those muscles are going to fatigue way too quick. So keep in mind, be patient with it, load light, and then work your way heavier when the client is ready or if it's just yourself, like when you're ready. Now we did a few things. Now, when we were in a three point row, a three point row is when you have one knee on the bench, one knee out to the side, and then your opposite arm right underneath the shoulder onto the bench. So you have three points of contact. That's why we call it a three point row. It's also referred to as a bench row. So if you guys are Googling this, you guys can pull that up. It'll be usually one of those names. Now the hanging arm, the one arm that's not actually braced and holding you up is going to be the arm that's holding the weight. That's going to be your active side. Now, when you're here, the biggest things I'm looking for is flat shoulders and flat hips. So for example, if that, if one of the legs is too high or low, we're going to see a difference in a shifting laterally in the height of those hips. We want those even. So one of the things we did with my client is we actually lowered the height of the bench about three inches so that we could actually even out those hips just a little bit. And it was a very, very slight decrease. Um, and it did a wonders for their back pain because they weren't trying to lift with their hips in an offset position. So one side of their hip complex is doing more work than the other. And it, and it took most of the pain away. We did a second thing as well that really sealed everything in is we, in that three point row, we kept 
some active muscle contraction as well. And active muscle contraction is just the idea of like squeezing the muscle, but it not really producing movement. So for example, if somebody uh, holds their arm up like this, right? You see people who flex all the time and you're like, okay, if my arm is just like this, there's not any active muscle contraction. But if I bring my arm in and I start tightening it, now there's tension in the muscle, but it's not moving, right? I'm not like pulling my arm in like the muscle wants it to, but I'm keeping this tight. There's, there's tension there. You can feel that tension physically with the muscle. Now that's what we were doing, but we were doing that with the glute and the hamstring. So I was having this client tighten their glutes and hamstrings on that uh, kneeling or really on both sides, just to kind of keep those hips in place. And that worked really, really well. So as they were going through the movement, if the hips were steady, but they weren't braced, they were still shifting up and down just a little bit, but by bracing, we're holding both sides of that uh, pelvis in place. And that was super cool to see. And they were just like, no pain walking away from that exercise back is nice and you know sore from the muscles that we were targeting but the lower back specifically didn't hurt and that was a huge win so that's just like a little uh, example that i found with one of my clients recently the next one is we got i got a question about how do i see if i'm walking incorrectly if people have low back pain or if they have things that are causing discomfort other than actually muscle fatigue while they're walking because that's a really good low impact exercise then we want to fix that right away and one trick, uh, one, a few strategies, I should say, that we used was one was a posture check. So the first time, the, the when first looking at how they're standing, I had my client line up against a wall and we wanted the hips, the shoulders, and the head all in contact with the wall. Now that's going to leave a little bit of a space for that low back and a little bit of space between the neck. Like the neck is not going to be flush with the wall. There's going to be a little bit of space there. So there's three points of contact, back of the head, back of the shoulders and back of the hips. And then I had them hold that position and then walk away from the wall and then walk down the track. That worked really, really well. And they found that this was actually harder than it seemed, right? But their eyes were forward. They were in a much more upright position. And then a second more functional kind of lifestyle piece of advice don't walk with your phone in front of you for this client. If somebody, if you struggle with low back pain or even just back pain in general, especially in the upper spine as well, what happens is I don't even have my, actually I do have my phone in here with me. If you have this out in front of you, you're usually going to hold this here. And what happens? Your eyes are going to go to what's on the screen. So if I'm looking down, what's going to happen? My head is going to follow my eyesight. And a lot of times where the eyes go, the head goes, where the head goes, the upper torso goes as well. So we end up leaning forward as we're walking and people wonder why they have bad posture when they're walking is because they're bent over looking at their phones. So don't look at your phone. You know, if you're walking somewhere, like have your earbuds in whatever. Um, but like, it's, it's also safer that way. Anyway, you're not going to walk over anything. You can actually see where your feet are, things like that, but practice walking without your phone. I do this all the time, especially when I'm walking with the dogs is I will have my phone in my pocket. Um, like a book going in my ear and then the dog out in front of me and I'm looking around, um, not only because I'm trying to see if my dog is going to bark at anything, but I'm also seeing like, okay, I'm like focusing on keeping a good posture here. And those are really, really easy ways to kind of fix everything that's going on there. All right. What do we got next? Next is our workout update. So a few fun things happened. Um, my heart rate monitor broke. Um, it just stopped transmitting, um, which is really fun. I tried charging it, resetting it, all that fun stuff. And it just broke. So we were using a point system to track our workouts. Um, we got a lot of points in November, which kind of sucks, but we're not going to use that anymore because I'm just like, I don't want to have to keep buying those pieces. And I didn't feel like that lasted as long as I wanted to. I've used different heart rate monitors in the past, and this one by far had a decent amount of issues and it did not last by far not the longest. So now we're just using the Apple Watch, which doesn't give you like points or anything. It doesn't show you like how many minutes you spent in different zones. It just gives you exercise minutes, which for me is hard because a lot of the times I'm being very active in my job. And a lot of times I'm like doing different things with my clients that involve a lot of activity and that counts as exercise minutes. And I'm like, ah, oh, but I don't really count that. So I'm going to be kind of coming up with a different way of tracking my exercise and really using a system that's like easy to quantify and just grab like a single piece of data and use that. But when I figure that out, I'll let you guys know. 
Throughout November, I was able to maintain my running speeds as well. So I do a lot of interval running because I'm not a long distance runner myself. And I was able to maintain those. I increased my speed every month. So in just a few days, in two days, actually, I will be increasing my speed one more time. So we're starting from a slightly higher speed and we're just going to keep that going all the way through 2023 as well. Injuries provide it or hopefully not getting injured as well. So some good progress I had as well is I'm trying to do a lot of like weightlifting. So my deadlift, my power clean and my hinges, uh, my hinge row, the bent over row all got a little bit better this month. So I was really excited about that. And that was with taking the last week off, just moving boxes and actually moving into my new place. So that was fun. I mentioned already that in December, one of my new goals is to get a new running speed. So just increase that just a little bit and then continue in my other lifts. I'm a little bit behind because I did have to take so much time off for the move. And so I'm a little bit excited to do that. I also am hoping to do two different benchmark workouts this month or in December as well. The first one just being like just running a mile. I haven't done just a straight mile test in a long time and doing that in a non-treadmill environment. You're going to get your most accurate data when you're not using a treadmill because when you use a treadmill, you're keeping up with the belt. You're not necessarily uh, providing all of your own acceleration and momentum. So I'm going to be doing that and then doing a 2000 meter row. I love the rower. Um, it's something that I want to spend a little bit more time on. I have so many different exercises I like to do. The problem is I feel like I have like seven different workout days now and only seven days in the week and I have to take rest days. And so I end up not getting to everything every week. So sometimes getting through all of my workouts is like a week and a half process. So we're going to be trying to get those two done and maybe even potentially repeating those every month. I haven't decided yet. Um, I haven't tried that before doing the mile and the 2K row every single month. So we'll see if I want to improve that or not, or kind of continue doing that to see if I can make little improvements over time, but we will see. All right. Next one. Um, next episode we're going to be talking about is we are going to specifically be talking about training for strength. So we're going to take a little bit of that program building. We're going to apply that specifically for our main goal of like getting stronger, moving those muscles around. And that's going to be what we are looking for coming up. Next year, guys. Ooh, and let's get me out of here. Do, 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 do. There we go. All right. So if you guys are looking at our world map, we're going to see a few different places on that map from last time. So let me highlight just different places we have listeners. So before today's episode, um, we had listeners in the United States. So the states we had covered was Washington, California, Indiana, Texas, Ohio, Oklahoma, Florida, North Carolina, New Jersey, and Oregon. Uh, internationally, we had Belgium, the United Kingdom, Sweden, India, Czech Republic, Spain, and Australia. We have a few new listener places so far, and so we added those in. We added Germany, the Netherlands. We've got Canada, so we've got our little friends up here. Um, Germany is right over here. Netherlands, and we also added another one in the States in New York. So I know not all these are as precise as I want to uh, want to get them because if we do get every single listener on here, this map is going to be absolutely like blooded with stuff, but it is what it is. So we're very, very excited to have those. Um, and hopefully we will get more of those states and countries up there as well. So I'm just going to add those in so I don't go over that next time as well. Do, 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 do. Bam. Back up on screen. Blah. All right, guys. Let's finish this one out. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Remember, the best way to help us is to listen to all, listen to the episodes, watch them on YouTube, do those things. Please leave comments with questions, feedback in your own experience as well. We want to hear from you guys. I don't want this to just be like a one-way conversation. I want to cover as much of the different things that you guys want to talk about as well. Right now, you can find the Healthy Humans podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Anchor. There's going to hopefully be a new episode every single week, minus potentially the holidays. We might get that up beforehand. That might take a little bit of finagling since we do this live, but we'll see. Next week, we're going to be talking about that strength training, so specifically for building programs around that. So if you have questions about that, you guys can use the hashtag on Twitter, HealthyHumansPod, or you can send me emails at HealthyHumansPodcast at gmail.com. So I've given you guys a lot of different ways to contact me, so please do that. You can also find me at Finley the Dog and Finley the Dog Gaming on all of my different socials as well. I do a lot of different stuff. I'm a gamer. I'm a trainer. I do all those things. I'm a dog dad. So if you guys just want to take a little bit of a look behind the scenes and see kind of what's going on, you guys are more than welcome to. 
Make sure you guys check out the description to find my socials. That's where they're all going to be. So if you're looking at this on YouTube or on Anchor or Spotify, those should be in the description. Just a reminder here, guys, that all information in this podcast does not constitute medical advice, and you should always consult your physician before starting an exercise program. When finishing up a training session here, guys, I always have three rules that you guys need to do. Make sure you guys are moving around and stretching. Movement is medicine. Rule number two, make sure you guys are drinking water, stay hydrated, preferably more water than coffee, which is totally not what I'm doing today. And then make sure most importantly, rule number three, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you guys in the next one. Let's raid this out really quick. We got a few listeners, so let's raid out to one of our uh, fellow streamers. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Bye for now. Let's get right into it here, guys. Welcome to the Healthy Humans Podcast. We are going to be going live again at 9.30 a.m. on Tuesday, so we're very, very excited about this. Our main streaming platform is going to be Twitch right now, and then we're going to take a edited version of this, and we're going to put it on YouTube, and then it's going to go out in audio version as well to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. You guys are going to see those all over to the side here, so we don't just have those just to make the screen cluttered, but we do have those all available for you. Today is episode 15. We're going to be talking about workout planning. So we've got a lot of stuff to cover here today, guys. So hopefully I'll, I will be able to go through this in a well-spoken manner so I'm not tripping over my words the entire time because I get really excited about this stuff and I want to make sure that you guys are getting the best information possible in a really clear and concise ways. So first things first, we always want to start off by thanking everyone who is listening in. We do have some new listeners from different areas, but we go over those at the end of the podcast. So we'll make sure we go over um, everyone that's tuning in from new areas, but very much. Thank you so, so, so much guys. We hit a big milestone recently and our podcast is now open to monetization. So we're going to be getting like more ads and things like that. My goal is to ne not necessarily need ads to function as the podcast continues, because there's a lot of different things we want to do. We really want to upgrade the PC here guys. So that way we can start investing into higher quality editing softwares and things like that, but our current machine just cannot run it. So we're hoping that we can get that support through advertisement dollars and things like that. But we also have a Patreon as well. So we'll be plugging that at the end here, guys. But again, listen in, share this with a friend. That is the best way to support me is on all of the platforms. Again, we're working on getting uh, partner status over on YouTube. We have just a few subscribers, but as this thing continues to build, we're going to get more and more. And so that really helps as well. So if you're watching this on Twitch, make sure to follow. If you see me on Twitter, make sure to retweet everything and actually follow those links to stop on by. Do all the things that helps me out quite a bit. Excuse me. All right. So if you guys are listening right now, we're going to be getting right into today's episode. Today's episode. Oh, there's a Finn. Spam it in the chat. That's a Finley. He is going into his little little cave over here. Come on, bud. Yeah, that's good boy. Lay down. Time to settle. There you go. All right. Excuse my little uh, my dog dad voice. So no worries there. Very, very excited to have you guys all here. Remember, the purpose of this podcast is to bring education to everyone, especially in my online community of gamers, streamers, creators, and bringing information about health, fitness, nutrition, and overall wellness. In our growing world, personal health and well-being is more important than ever. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, do all the things. I already said all that. Sometimes I talk out of order. This is why we do it live and we edit later. So that way everything comes through nice and clear. So let's hop on over today we're going to talk about program building so over on this screen here we guys we have just a ton of the different graphics that we use we even have our little pull-up guy who's hidden behind my camera right here but we've got squats hinges planks lunges pull-ups bench press curls carries all those different things we've spent the last six episodes talking about our foundation series so that's episodes 9 through 14 8 through 14 something like that i'm trying to think 9 10 14. Yep, I can count to six, I promise. It's we've we've been doing a lot of moving here, guys, so bear with me, especially if you're listening to the live version, because my brain is moving about half the speed my mouth is. So cheers to that. 
But we've been talking about all of these fundamental movements. And if you don't know how to actually program these into a workout plan, so when we're talking about the word programming, let's just define that really quick so we're not talking about computers. Programming is the process of actually going through and either writing down in some way, shape, or form and planning out your workout, saying, I'm going to do these exercises these days. This is what my workout template is going to look like, and then setting your goals from there. That is the whole process with this. So we're not programming a computer or anything like that, but it is programming your exercise workout plan. So just wanted to define that really quick so that way we're not losing anybody. But we want to go through this because as I train my clients and we go through so many different exercises to like see what movements they are good at, what needs improvement in building appropriate loading baselines for most of these exercises, we need to have that little bit of trial and error. And then we can actually build a program that I can hand off to them and say, hey, here is your program. I want you to continue to do this. So like when we're working together, we're going to do these exercises. When we're not working together on your non-training days, I want you to do these exercises. So that way I know we're not missing anything. We're covering all of our gaps and we're just going to keep moving forward. When we're getting into it, we're going to keep this one nice and simple. So you guys are going to have some really easy talking points or some uh, kind of reference points for today's material. But when we're looking at programming building, there are four main structural pillars to a good workout program. When we're looking at those four main pillars, we're looking at sets and reps. That's just the amount of repetitions that we're planning on actually doing. Then we're gonna look at rest, and then we're gonna look at loading. Those are kind of the main three that will show up on your workout plan. That is what I would consider the first half. And then as a professional, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a look into kind of what it looks like to take good notes as well. And the reason I put this as a the fourth and final pillar is this is going to fill in all of the gaps that isn't covered in just a table. Because let's be honest here, guys, if you are just looking for a workout plan, you could go onto Google right now, you could type in workout plans, and it would take you to like Pinterest or all these other different places. And you could just download these. And you could just be like, Oh, cool, I'm going to do this workout plan. And it will give you a lot of the times if it's written correctly, sets, reps, rest time and load, not all the time load, because that is the biggest variable because every person is a little bit different. But these resources are accessible. The reason this is actually going to be more applicable and actually beneficial to you and your overall health is when you add those extra notes. And we're going to go through that as our last point, and that's going to kind of tie everything together. So that's going to be what we're going through here today. Everybody, let's switch over to that next one. We're going to talk about sets and reps. There's actually a lot I want to talk about here, guys, and we have kind of those three main ones. So we have three different sets and rep schemes we'll usually refer them to or templates. You'll hear lots of different um, words for what that is uh, called, but it'll often be notated as sets multiplied by reps. So three sets X 10 reps. So the X just means multiplied by that 10 reps. So if you're looking at this, that three sets of 10 is 30 reps five by five, that's actually only 25 reps. And then four sets by eight, that's 32 reps. We're going to talk about these three because there's a lot of different sets and rep schemes that you can use, but we want to keep this in time today. So we're just going to go over kind of our, uh, these, these three right now. So the first one is our three by 10 Our three by 10 is our most basic like workout template for a workout program. This is where I start most people when performing any exercise, we can gauge their level of conditioning appropriately and quickly. If you can do something 10 times, fantastic. That means you can probably do it again 10 times as well. So that's why we start off with this. But there's also a few questions that I'm going to be asking along with this three sets of 10. So if I have a client who's doing a pull-up, let's say pull-up because that's the little graphic we have up in this slide here. Do they have any reps in reserve? That's the first question I'm going to ask. So reps in reserve means they just did their 10 reps subjectively do they does this person client whoever i'm training do they feel like they could do more reps if they say no fantastic that means they've probably um, maxed out the number of reps that they could do for that set if they said yes i could do that pretty easily i might i could have maybe done five more reps that means that's probably 
not too hard yet. So we would probably start progressing that a little bit sooner. So really what that comes down to is if somebody has a larger amount of reps in reserve, then we're going to be able to progress that a little bit more. If they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I could not have done another rep if you held a gun to my head, then that's going to be a place where we're going to hopefully repeat and we're going to repeat that to the point where then we can progress as well and we'll talk about progression as well we talked about it a little bit in our last episode which was actually several weeks ago because again we just moved so thank you for your patience but we'll talk about a little bit of that again because it's actually a really important refresher then we'll ask them if i'm not asking them about their reps in reserve i'll also be asking them about their rpe rpe is your rating of perceived exertion so this is another subjective uh question you just ask the person how did that feel you can do this on a scale of one to ten a lot of times professionals will also do this on a scale of six to twenty in a professional standpoint we'll actually use the six to twenty scale quite a bit i don't think that's very helpful because most people are not actually fitness professionals so using a one to ten scale is like much more applicable and much more kind of easy to can uh conceptualize when they're going through their movements. So if this individual is able to get 10 reps and they said their RPE is a 10, that means they are completely maxed out by that 10 rep, 10th rep, and they could not have gotten another. Fantastic. If they're like, hey, my RPE is like a three and they just did 10 reps, then they could probably do quite a few more. And then again, we're going to be progressing that as we move forward. And then the next question or observation almost is, was there any like form breakdown and at what rep was that happening so 10 reps is a lot of time for somebody to actually get things wrong and this is a good thing if you think you have to do every rep perfectly and if you don't do then then if you don't do something perfectly then you should just never do it then that is a not a great way to progress i it, it is good when i am working with clients especially at those low loads when they're first starting off if they're doing something wrong if they're doing something wrong we can fix it right away and then they're not going to continue doing that wrong so that's why i use sets of 10 quite a bit because a lot of the time somebody will do something roughly all the way through reps five six and seven correctly and then if we start to see a form breakdown it usually comes with as fatigue starts to set in then that form starts to break down so eight nine ten that's usually where we start to see the form breakdown but also maybe we see that super early. So if we're seeing form breakdown in reps like two, three, and four, like they can't do the exercise at all, then we're gonna like have a little bit more work to do. But again, it's all a positive thing because we can now make sure that when we correct those movements, we're now moving forward, enhancing, or we're not learning bad habits, essentially. There we go. Again, it's it's been a long few days here, guys. We'll caffeinate up for just a moment. So happy I have my own coffee machine here, guys. I can't tell you how much I like and just so excited to have all my stuff back again. When we see that form breakdown, we want to make sure that is there. Those are going to be the things that we're really focusing on. Um, and doing reps badly is a good thing. So that's a, uh, doing reps badly the first time is a good thing. Not always. Don't take that out of context. Don't just like screenshot that and be like, he wants us to do bad reps. No, that'd be silly. Doing bad reps means we always have something to work on and there's always room for improvement so that's a lot of times why i will use three sets by 10 reps and again that would come out to about 30 reps plenty of reps to see if something is going wrong let's move on to the next one so the next one is a five by five you'll hear this referred to a lot when you are working with um, a lot of more strength athletes and this usually comes with like longer rest times to accommodate heavier weights and most people know this kind of intrinsically if you are doing something 10 times say i am doing a bench press and i'm just going through say i've got 100 pounds on the bar and i can do that 10 times fantastic and i'm like cool rpe of like five not that hard if i'm going to do the same weight but only half the reps that's not going to be very difficult so when we are lowering that rep count we're very often going to see yeah i'm, I'm going to bump that weight up because i don't have to lift it as many times now we usually will do higher rest times because this is a, it, usually we're going to be loading so much that we're actually going to be having a, with higher, I should say, let me rephrase this, five reps is going to give you, a five by five is going to give you less overall volume. So to accommodate for that overall volume difference, we are going to be taking the rest when we need to, adding much more weight to accompany, accommodate for those five fewer reps. And this is actually going to put a much higher demand on our central nervous system, which is really, really good. We want that strain there because that makes us better. 
that's the whole point of exercising is to make you better, make you stronger, faster, quicker, all those things. We want healthy humans, guys. That's why we we do all of this. But I will use the five by five quite often when I feel like the client is getting to a place where it is now time for them to transition away from the three by 10. Now, you don't always have to transition away from the three by 10. It actually depends on what kind of training style you're doing. But if somebody is like, okay, I'm ready to kind of take this to the next level, then we're going to start getting them used to that high CNS or central nervous system strain, especially like if we use the example of like a heavy squat, for example, or like a loaded pull-up, right? If we're doing just pull-ups at 10 reps and you're like, dude, this is easy. My RPE value is super low. And we're like, all right, we're going to make this harder. We're going to put a weight belt on. We're going to attach some weights. We're going to put a 45 pounder on the legs. And then we're going to have you move. They are going to see and feel so much more strain for those five reps. They're going to feel like those five reps are harder than those previous 10. That is going to be the goal of kind of getting people transition from that three by 10 to five by five. Now, this is a really, really good way to train for strength specifically. So if you are looking to build a little bit of muscle, but really you want your muscles to be as strong as possible, that's a great way, right? Right back into it here, guys. What was I talking about? Five by fives, classic strength set. Um, so if you are somebody that struggles with doing pull-ups, this would be a really, really good set and rep scheme for you because you only have to do five. If you're like, hey, I can't do 10, but maybe you could do five, then that's a great place to be. Give yourself the rest you need in between those sets so that you can be successful in your workouts. Now, the last one we're going to talk about is a four by eight. This is what I use as what I call progression sets. This is something I use that I've kind of developed in some of the programs that I run for my clients as a set and rep scheme to get them comfortable with lifting heavier weights. Often people find a weight that they like to lift and then they stick with it and they never go away. They're like, this is the weight I do. And I have seen clients and different gym goers who do the same weights every time they do an exercise for weeks, months, like years, and even decades. They're like, this is the weight I've always done. I've never tried to progress it. The problem with that is that eventually you're going to get diminishing returns, which really sucks. You don't want diminishing returns. We want to make sure that you're getting the most out of your exercises every single time. Most people are okay with that. Most people are staying, are okay with staying in the same spot as they're being active. And I want to kind of challenge that a little bit. I want you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's where we want you to be. We want you to continue moving forward. The problem is, is most people are not elite strength trainers like myself. They're not, they're, they're okay with just being like, yep, I can do the thing. My form is good. I'm not hurting myself. I'm so strong. And they're just okay with like coasting there. Um, being a strength trainer as myself and a little bit of a gym rat, I enjoy really challenging myself. I really, really love finding things that I'm bad at so that I can continue building and always finding progress somewhere. So to break people out, especially when I'm working with my clients to break people away from like their comfort zone a little bit, I'll change up the sets and reps a little bit. So a lot of the times if we're doing a three by 10, that's 30 reps, right? Three sets by 10 reps each. If we go into four sets by eight reps, that's 32 reps. So they're actually adding two reps to their overall workout. And because we're going to use, we're going to use kind of some, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, strength training philosophies here. So when we were going through the five by five, when you decrease the rep count, you're going to ideally increase the weight. So we're going to do the same thing when we switch to that eight rep count, not to the same degree as we're doing it, we might with the five reps, but with the eight reps, we might just add 10 pounds or we might add even five pounds. That's okay. Um, they, a lot of gyms will also have like the tiny, like little two and a half pound plates. Sometimes it's like that, even if it's just a little bit, it might not even be a noticeable amount of weight, but if you increase, that means you're getting better. So what happens? I'm going to like kind of walk through the math with you guys here really quick. Let's say we're doing a back squat and we are doing a hundred pounds on that bar. If you're doing three sets, by 10 reps, by 100 pounds, that is 3,000 pounds of total volume at the end of your workout, right? Fantastic. If you're doing four sets by eight reps and you increase that weight by 10 pounds, now you're doing 110 pounds, you're now doing 3,520 pounds worth of work. So this is 520 pounds more than your previous set, which I think comes out to about a 14.7% increase in overall volume. And it doesn't sound like a lot though. When you look at it in its basic form without looking at the overall volume, it looks really, really simple. You say, 
hey, we're going to do four sets of eight. So we're going to add an extra set, but each set is going to be a little bit lower. That's going to be 32 reps. So only two extra reps, only two. Everyone can usually do two extra reps throughout their entire workout, but we're also going to increase 10 pounds. This is a great way to break people out of their comfort zone because the 10 pound change, especially for like something like a back squat, super manageable, something they can very easily do. And then they're not necessarily going to notice that we've really like just jacked up that amount of volume. So that's good. That's a, that's a, I don't, I don't want to say it's a trick, but that is a strategy I use when I'm training with my clients is altering those sets, reps, and weights to increase the total amount of volume that we've completed without necessarily trying to make these huge unattainable jumps. And so that's why we're, that's why I will usually use one of these three set and rep schemes. And that's why it's a really good, really good way to progress people, which is again, why I call these progression sets. So feel free to steal that here, guys. Um, that is a, uh, kind of an original plan that I use that I have seen a lot of success with, with my clients. And I want you guys to have success as well. Coming up next, we're talking about rest. This is probably the most undervalued part of any workout because people just want to go. People want to finish their workouts as soon as possible. A lot of people don't like being in the gym for that long. So they're like, why am I here? What am I doing? I just want to get on a treadmill for 30 minutes and leave. And they just, they don't, people, you, you, have, you got both sides of the spectrum, right? You got people who don't want to be there at all and they don't want to rest. They just want to go, 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 and then get out. That's fine. We'll talk about that in the context of interval training and circuit training and like AMRAP styles and things like that. But then you have the people who like love being in the gym. They love spending hours a day there all the time. So it's that opposite end of the spectrum. And then they're running into like, oh yeah, I was texting, you know, my friends about this one meme I saw. And then they look at their watch and they're like, oh, like 17 minutes just passed since I did my last set. Now it's being a little bit hyperbolous or it's a little bit of hyperbole. Um, but it happens all the time. People get chatting and things like that. The gym is a social place just as much as it is a place of exercise and work and self-improvement. Um, and that's good. We want people to be social while they're there. And really the rule is if you got headphones in, you don't want to be bothered. If you don't have headphones in, then like, you know, you're probably a little bit more open to conversation. That's just kind of a general rule. Anyways, getting distracted, but the amount of rest you take depends on your goals. So for example, we've got four different bullet points up on the slide here, guys. So if we're talking about strength, you are going to want to rest usually about two to four minutes in between your sets. Two is like on the lower end. Like that's usually for like really well conditioned athletes. It takes time, but you can do it. But four minutes is like pretty reasonable. I've seen people even go like up to like five or six minutes. I get too bored if I'm resting that long. And depending on where you're reading your information from, you'll see that rest range vary just a little bit. So that's why we're going about two to four minutes for that strength zone. So if you're wondering, like, you're like, why do we need two to four minutes of rest? Like, I just want to do my sets and then get out of here. The reason is, is if you're, if you are training for strength, you are challenging your central nervous system. You are putting probably a lot of load onto the body and load is always weight relative. Don't worry. Like if you're a hundred pounds, you don't need to squat 200. That'd be super cool. High five and props to you. But usually strength is mass relative. So for me, if I'm only benching a hundred pounds, that would be really, really bad because that's way lower than my like overall body weight. But if somebody who is like half my weight is benching the same amount, that's a much closer ratio to their own body weight. And that's actually going to be much more appropriate. So if that makes sense. So when you're strength training, you're going to see a lot of like, when you finish a strength set, you should be breathing heavy. Like if I finish five heavy squats by that end of it, I should have sweat coming down my face. I should be breathing heavy. I should be exhausted from my legs to my core, from all that bracing, the arms and shoulders should be tight from keeping my upper body in check. Everything should be working to basically it's max for that five reps, not like maxing out for like a one rep max, but they should be working very, very hard for those reps. That's why you need that two to four minutes because that heart rate is going to spike and you need time for it to come back down and for those muscles to reset themselves. So that's going to be what we are talking about there. The next one we're going to talk about is resting for endurance. When you're resting for endurance, this is going to be much different. So a 30 to 60 second rest range is much more appropriate if you're trying to build endurance. Now, when you're endurance training, and we're going to talk about this specifically endurance 
strength and power all in separate episodes actually coming up next those are going to be like the three we have coming up you want less time you want to be able to operate with that fatigue for the longest amount of time possible that's like what endurance is all about it's just the ability to keep on going and going performing those reps and just getting after it that's going to be really hard if you're loading really heavy so you're going to usually back off on that load when you're endurance training and then you're going to increase your reps and Again, this all needs to be like kind of fine-tuned so that if you are only resting 30 seconds, I have a few clients that love only resting 30 seconds. They're like anything longer and they're already bored and they just they just they want that fatigue to just almost never go away. That's fine. Some people are that way, but that's usually gonna be the rest range you want to sit in is 30 to 60 seconds. Next one is power training. So when you're resting for power training, it's actually gonna be pretty close to the same as two to four minutes. Now, if you're wondering what's the difference between strength and power, power training is the ability to move a weight with speed and accuracy. So if you're familiar with physics and force, force is actually mass times acceleration. So we're playing with that acceleration portion, right? So if you're doing a just a regular squat, your tempo throughout your lift might be, okay, I'm going to spend one second on my descent and one second on my ascent just as a uh you know we'll, let's say three and three right so three seconds on the way down three seconds on the way up it's roughly equal it's a one-to-one -one ratio of your ascent to descent if you're power training you might take three seconds on that way down but one second on that way up so you're adding much more acceleration that speed and that does a lot of really really good things for the body but it's exhausting especially if you're using the same weight it's actually usually recommended to use lighter weights when you're power training um, strength. You want to really build up that form and then usually back off on that weight a little bit so you can add in that speed effectively when you are doing that power training. One of my favorite moves is a power clean. You cannot do a power clean slowly. It is very, very difficult and not fun, especially when you get the bar up and you're doing your shrug and then you're like trying to bring your shoulders up and like flip the elbows underneath. It's very, very difficult if you have a lot of weight and you're doing it slowly. Doing it with speed is key. And again, that takes a lot of extra effort. Usually those rest times in between will be like two to four minutes because uh, again, you should be breathing pretty heavy at the end of those as well. Now we're also gonna talk about interval training, circuit training, etc. A lot of the times you're gonna be resting as needed. So you're not gonna necessarily always have those prescribed and well-timed rest times. But a lot of the times, especially if you're interval training, you don't actually rest. You have what's called active recovery. Now, active recovery is not always actual rest. You're not just going from the squat rack to a box or whatever, and you're either standing or sitting and not actually doing anything. You're letting everything fully reset. In active recovery, you are still moving. You are letting those muscles reset themselves, but to a, a slower extent because things so you're like just gearing up so you're gearing up for that next set so a good example of this would be i'm going from a jog to a walk right your interval is jogging your resting is walking your body is still performing work but you're not just fully resting so that's kind of the difference there is when we're doing interval training and circuit training you're doing active recovery now a good circuit training program means that while one muscle group is working ideally you're going to be working uh like working and resting different parts of the body at different times so a good circuit that i usually will run my clients through if we are doing any circuit training is a upper lower and then core circuit so three different exercises and we might even like expand that or decrease depending on the workout but a lot of times we'll do like an upper body workout so we're going to do uh we'll do 10 push-ups right and then we'll mix that with 10 squats and then we'll mix that with a one minute plank so all three of those are targeting different main muscle groups. There's still going to be a little bit of crossover, especially with the push-up and the plank, right? Because you're, you're, you're still working those shoulders. Those arms are active, especially while you're in that plank position. But overall, those while you're working one muscle group, another is resting. So that's kind of what we're working with there. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to be talking about actually putting load onto the bar. Now, we've kind of dipped into this a little bit because a lot of these are very, very closely related. But a lot of the times we want to just make sure that our load is like training is specific to our training goal. So when we were talking about strength, endurance and power, we talked a little bit earlier how strength is going to usually be loaded the heaviest. Endurance is going to be loaded the lightest and usually power 
Not always, but usually it's going to be somewhere in the middle where you want to take off a little bit of weight so you can accommodate for that extra speed, but you also want to really challenge yourself as well. So make sure that those loads are specific. Now we always, we want to also know how different muscle groups are going to load as well. And so when you've been training as long as I have, you're going to notice some different patterns emerge with almost every single population you work with. And it's going to pretty unanimously like work for a lot of different people. So I'll get into that in a little bit right now. Different parts of your body have different levels of strength. So for example, your legs are stronger than your arms. Most people are going to know that. They're like, yeah, you walk around in your legs all day, not your arms, right? So that's going to point out pretty quickly like, hey, they're doing different things. Now we can even go a little bit like more in detail and say like the front half of your upper body. So like your pushing groups, your chest, your shoulders are usually weaker than your pulling groups. So your lats, rhomboids, traps, things like that. The muscles that are located on the backside of the body. And there's a few reasons for this. So the first reason is like square footage or volume of the muscle. A lot of the times if a muscle itself is bigger, there are more well-developed muscle fibers. It has more pushing and pulling more, just more contraction force available, and they're going to be able to do more. So if you see a muscle that's spread over a larger area, for example, that's usually going to indicate that it is stronger than a muscle that is maybe set over a smaller area. For example, our shoulders. When we're looking at the primary shoulder muscle, now I know there's a lot of uh, muscles that cross the shoulder, but let's keep it simple for now. When you're looking at the shoulder, the main muscle that actually covers this joint over the top is our deltoid. Now the deltoid has three different parts. It has the anterior, middle, and posterior deltoid. So if you're not familiar with those terms, anterior just means front, middle means middle, so it's actually right on top, and then posterior is going to be kind of behind the shoulder. And those all wrap around the shoulder. They connect down the arm in our deltoid process. So there's actually a little bump right on the arm here. And all three of those fibers connect right here so that that way when the muscles contract, they pull the arm up. And when they relax, the arm gets to go back down. This is a little anatomy for you guys. But those are relatively small muscles. So when somebody is doing a shoulder press and they have to fully extend those arms and then come back down, they're using smaller muscle groups. So if we then, if say, say we're just doing 10 pounds on each side and you're like, cool, this is giving me a good workout. I'm feeling, feeling the burn a little bit. Fantastic. If you then take the same amount of weight and you hold those weights up uh, either by the shoulders or by the hips and you do a squat. So if you're squatting with the same amount of weight, you're going to say, this is nothing. This like, my legs are not working nearly as hard if the body is in proper proportions. Now in individuals, 